It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? A lot of people think this is the year of the Chargers. Vegas handicappers, NFL insiders. Fortunately, I've been down this road before. Another reminder that the Chargers didn't make the playoff last year. NFL Network, another reminder that the Chargers did not make the playoffs last year. They lost in Las Vegas. Get me some anti-Charger stuff in here now. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. They have the choke gene. They choke. The Chargers with the C, they choke. I should have nine lines packed every segment destroying the Chargers. Use the phone like a weapon. I want an all-out assault from the Raider Nation on the opposition. Just win, baby. And now, here's JT the Brick. Oh, that's a very aggressive open. We call that the anti-Charger open. I don't know about that, man. uh, I'm going to get hammered. If the Raiders don't win that game, there Raiders got to win that game. The anti-Charger open. JT back with you, Vinny Bonson. You're in a moment. Uh, Chargers are favored. The line opened up minus four. It's now down to three and a half. A uh, total on the game is fifty-two. Eighty-three percent of the tickets, or the money, excuse me, not the tickets. Eighty-three percent of the money on the Raiders. So a lot of Raider support as it was at four, and that number came down to three and a half. Jeff Sherman told the stat yesterday, which was important there. And look, Raiders are a good team. Raiders can play with anyone. Anytime the Raiders are getting four points, four and a half, three and a half, you're going to see some Raider support. Raider fans are going to come in and bet that game down. And maybe that's what happens here. Huge game. Uh, there is an update uh, from Vinny coming up here right now. We'll get to him when Bobby tells me he's ready to go. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor writing about Darren Waller today and the potential for a contract to be done sooner than later. If that happens, that's just one last thing that the Raiders don't have to deal with when it comes to a financial commitment with Darren. And, you know, Darren didn't play a whole hell of a lot last year at the end. He was banged up. He missed a little bit of training camp, a lot of it, in my opinion, and didn't play. But they're always confident that he was coming along nicely. And now he's ready to go. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Embajador Tequila, Realty One Group, and Tuscany Suites, and Casino. So, Vinny, you uh, felt confident to write a little bit about Darren Waller today with new representation and the status of that contract heading into the weekend. What does your reporting tell us? Yeah, uh, the sense is um, there's a lot of momentum to getting a deal done. Um, I would not rule out that a deal gets done before Darren and the, and the Raiders hit the field at SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers uh, on Sunday. Uh, if not by then, um, you know, sooner, definitely sooner rather than later. Uh, there's motivation on both sides to get this done. The Raiders want to enhance this window that they've opened for themselves. When you think about Derek Carr's contract and Chandler Jones and Max Crosby and Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and now soon to be Darren Waller, they're all kind of uh, you know uh, in that window together and building that foundation uh, to try to maximize what they believe they could do, and that's compete for Super Bowl championships. Vinny Bonson, yours are guest. So, Vinny, this. To you, is the concern with Waller, is it health, is it durability, is it a long-term deal, is it guaranteed money? Again, we'll see the contract when it comes down, if and when it does come down, but as you've been chasing this story now for a long time, the entire preseason, was it representation? What was kind of holding this deal up if it has been held up? Yeah, I think what he ultimately uh, ends up signing for won't look a whole lot different than uh, the reported offer that was that was on, that's been on the table and was on the table. Um, I, you know, I, I can't speak for it's only speculation. Uh, you know, with with clutch, uh, but you know, 
my understanding, just talking to the people that, you know, are aware of this and do this for a living, there might have been uh, some unrealistic expectations, uh, you know, that were that were created. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, the deal that's kind of been on the table wasn't to Clutch's liking or somebody's liking that was representing, uh, you know, Darren Waller. And, and I, I have a feeling that that kind of led to the departure, Darren's departure with them. Uh, they started not necessarily from ground zero, but I think more realistic expectations with Drew Rosenhaus stepping in. And I think that's going to expedite uh, something, uh, you know, to, to happen. And I think it'll it'll be reflective of who he is as a player, where he stands among his peers uh, alongside the rest of the league and the, and the top uh, echelon tight ends. And I think it'll be a fair deal that everybody walks away happy. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So with J.C. Jackson reportedly not playing corner, the star corner in the NFL, let alone for the Chargers, do you see the Raiders isolating his backup and really attacking that side of the field because Devontae's on one side. You could put Waller wide. You could have Renthro in motion here. There's still Derwin James on the back end, but without J.C. Jackson, with Bosa coming off the edge and Khalil Mack, what are you suggesting the game plan could be for the Raiders to get a win in L.A.? Yeah, um, I think it's, you know, watching Devontae Adams uh, and really everybody else, Sam, uh, Darren Waller, he wasn't out there when the Patriots were in town, but watching that whole operation and how smooth it looked against what's usually a pretty good, clever, smart defense in, in, in the Patriots, uh, it, there was just a lot of ease that it, that it all happened with. And I don't expect that to change, regardless of who the Raiders are playing, to be perfectly frank. Um, I think there's just too much talent. And if you pay attention to Devontae Adams in terms of the focus and rolling coverage toward him, it's going to open the middle of the field for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Uh, to be fed. So I think that, and especially with a smart quarterback like Derek Carr, he's going to find the open man. And I think, you know, everyone's asking, well, who's going to get the ball most and who's going to have lead the team in this and lead the team in that? And those are all important, I'm sure, for the fantasy league players out there. And, you know, everyone wants to, wants to achieve their goals. But I think at the end of the year, organically, uh, it's all going to unfold the way it should unfold. And I think everybody's going to be happy, mostly with the wins that, that uh, occur as a result. Hey, Vinny, we both saw Dean Spanos on the sidelines last year in that elimination game. And I heard through my sources that he was not happy with Staley and the long fourth down that he went for and failed. And there were a couple of games that go back to the coach being a riverboat gambler. And I know Dean is not thrilled about that. Do you expect him to be reined in a little bit here if it's fourth and seven? Herbert's not going to go for it on the other side of the field, on his side of the field? Or do you think the Chargers are going to be just as aggressive last year and treat fourth down like it's third down? I don't know about just as um, aggressive. There has to be some fine line uh, that they find with that. You know, they went for it a lot of times. I think they were around 30% in their fourth down conversions. To me, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, it's got to be better in that percentage, um, and a lot of that had to do with down and distance and, and all that type of stuff. So uh, I think you can be aggressive, but you can be you also can be prudent uh, about it. And um, I think he's going to change a little bit, but I had to see it first because even in some of the things that he's said and how he's characterized this and the importance that he feels in setting a precedent and being um, about what the Chargers are about and, and kind of creating a, a culture of aggressiveness, uh, I'm not quite sure he's found that fine line yet. And last year we saw that it hurt them. It lost them a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I feel like there was a hangover effect that eventually, you know, 
uh, ended up uh, costing them a win against the Houston Texans. And that really opened the door for the Raiders. And then the decision to call the timeout against the Raiders, who were content with tying that game, and both teams going into the playoffs, uh, well, I'll tell you what, you got to learn from those mistakes. But I, got, I have to see it before I can say that, yes, he has. Vinny Bonsignor, Tuscany Suites and Casino, Realty One Group, and Bajador Tequila, kind enough to join us weekly, one of our Raider insiders and one of the best. So, Vinny, I'd be remiss if we didn't wrap it up by talking about this battle of L.A. We both were well-versed in the history of Carson and what happened in Oakland and now in Vegas as the Chargers are there with Stan Kroenke at SoFi Stadium. Let's talk about it from a Charger perspective. How much has the franchise gone up net worth-wise? Does it look like a smart move for Dean Spanos, even though he's trying to build a fan base and he's clearly behind the Raiders and the Rams? What's optimism like for the Charger fans as they go to SoFi Stadium in a game where there'll be more Raider fans? Yeah, um, you know, when you ask was it a smart move uh, by, by uh, Dean Spanos, the fact of the matter is it was the only move that really made sense for him. It wasn't happening in San Diego, and um, it's not his fault, just as it wasn't Mark Davis's fault in, in Oakland. It's hard to get things done uh, in California. It just is. And, you know, you want to talk about uh, Sam Kroenke doing what he did with the Rams. Well, it also helped that he got a great deal on land. That was the whole point of his right. move, was he had land to be able to develop around a stadium to help pay for the stadium. He didn't ask for anything in public funding because he got the land, basically, and it was a great deal for him. The Chargers didn't have any other choice but to join the Rams uh, in Los Angeles. Um, it's going to take a long time for them to really capture the imagination uh, of L.A. fans. It's not going to ever change anything in terms of the Raiders. The Raiders will always have a strong foothold um, in, in Los Angeles. I do think the Rams are building a nice thing for themselves uh, there without question, and that's just something that people are going to have to accept. The Rams were there for a long time, even before the Raiders got there. The Raiders will always have their place in Los Angeles. It will always be a strong uh, foothold in Los Angeles. But I think there's enough room for them, obviously, and the Rams. And then the Chargers, um, they're kind of like the Angels. They're kind of like, you know, I bet you haven't mm-hmm. even gotten quite there yet, but, but that's sort of their future. The Angels, maybe the Clippers and the Lakers, that sort of thing. There's a place for them. They'll make money. Uh, it's in Los Angeles. They're paying a great stadium. They'll win football games uh, if they keep doing things right by their roster. But in terms of their place in Los Angeles, I think it's always going to be right around where it is right now. Vinny, last football question. Were you surprised the Raiders didn't get another O-lineman on cutdowns from another team? I know Dave Ziegler probably worked the phones on a trade, but they're going with these guys in this depth chart without Alex, even out without Alex Leatherwood being a backup tackle or guard by letting him go. What do you sense happened with the offensive line and trying to add one more piece? Well, I think um, whatever piece they were going to add, it was going to be uh, to add to depth, not necessarily a starting player. For now, um, they, they like what they have in Jermaine Illuminar mm-hmm. and Thayer Munford, you know, uh, putting pressure on Thayer uh, over there, or excuse me, uh, Thayer Munford putting pressure on Jermaine over at right tackle. I would think that before it's all said and done, Thayer is going to be the starter at right tackle. They like what they have in the interior with John Simpson and Lester Cotton and Dylan Parham, who will eventually make his move um, as a starter at, at guard. They like what they have in Andre James and, and Colton Miller. So um, I know that there's a lot of worry outside of the building about the starting five, and especially on the right side. But I think Dave and, and Josh and Carmen Brasillo and, and Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, they're 
they're, they're, they're okay with what they have, and they feel like the, the answers are, especially with the starters, are in the, in the building. Is it going to look perfect, you know, uh, season or, or in the season opener? Probably not, but they feel like they have the pieces to work toward building a credible offensive line. The key for them now is also maybe adding at some point to that depth. All right, Vinny, you're back on the road. When do you head to L.A.? I mean, it's always great. you got friends and family back there. You know the market really well. It's the road opener, but feels like a home game for the Raiders. Uh, leave us with something with you personally going back to L.A. where you know the market well, and it's a big game, the opener. Yeah, without question, and I leave on Saturday. And it's always great to see SoFi Stadium, just as it's always great to walk into a Legion Stadium. There's you know, a personal connection to both of those stadiums for myself, you know, reporting uh, mm-hmm. those stories when, when people were, were trying to get to Los Angeles and the offshoot of the Raiders going to Las Vegas. There was a lot that went into all of that. And, you know, to see it all come to fruition for everybody involved, um, you know, is, is, is there's some satisfaction in that. And I'm happy for the Rams. I'm happy for what, you know, the, the Chargers. I think the Raiders, it worked out beautifully for the Raiders. It may not have looked at that like that. Um, you know, in January of, of 2016, when when they made that decision in Houston for the Rams to go to L.A. with the Chargers getting first option in L.A., but when you think about it now, it couldn't have worked out better uh, for the Raiders. They got exactly what they uh, need, what they deserve um, with the Legion Stadium and this market being all their own, and also being in close proximity to L.A. and Southern California and the Bay Area and everywhere else. So uh, just to see it all come to fruition, every time I walk into both stadiums. There's still a little bit of wow. This all kind of came together, uh, and it's pretty cool to see. Thanks, Vinny. Safe travels. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you. All right, JT. Thanks for having me, buddy. Vinny Bonsignor. Appreciate having him on, part of our insider list. And very important that we have Vinny here, not only on the channel, but Vegas Nation, the Review Journal, everything that he does here. Deshaun Reed, an hour ago, Lester Cotton Sr., back at practice for the Raiders today after missing yesterday. We'll get our first injury report later today, which will be interesting. Also, Daniel Popper reported out of L.A., J.C. Jackson's walking boot is off. He ran on the field yesterday in his day-to-day for Brandon Staley. Says no decision has been made yet on whether he'll play Sunday against the Raiders, even though there are reports that he's not going to play by some insiders there. If they risk bringing out, if they risk bringing out J.C. Jackson and he tweaks, that foot injury and something happens there, that could destroy their season. So you'd like to see him sit against the Raiders, but if he plays, the Raiders are going to have to be ready for that. Tomorrow, and I hope you got a chance to see what we're doing here on Behind the Shields. It was my 40-minute sit-down with Josh McDaniels. We did that for State of the Nation. I also uh, interviewed the president of the Raiders. So on top of that, we had two big interviews. They put it up on TV, and it's now there on YouTube and many of the Raiders' social media devices there. So tomorrow, I'm heading into the building to interview Josh McDaniels, part of my coaching interview every week. So we're going to get a chance, probably 8 to 10 minutes. That's what I did with Gruden and Basaccia last year. Get about 8 to 10 minutes in a podcast form that'll be filmed, and it'll be up on YouTube, and it'll be on the Raiders' report. So that starts tomorrow, as we'll kind of dive into the game. The state of the team was more about his move here with Dave and building the team in the preseason and his vision for being the head coach. Now, my interview tomorrow, we'll get into the specifics of this Charger game and what happens in the Charger game and what the Raiders need to do. So first game of the year, even the handicappers, the prognosticators have no idea. You'd like to open up against a cupcake. They're not opening up against a cupcake. 
And some of the other marquee games, we found out today that Zach Wilson's going to be out a month for the Jets. They got that wrong. They were hoping he'd come back by the start. So the Ravens, the Ravens are a seven-point favorite at the Jets. Seven points on the road. That is rare to see. The Miami-New England game, very interesting to me. Miami is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It opened up at three, and there's the hook there. Cleveland-Carolina is a great game. Cleveland-Carolina went from initially Cleveland being a four-and-a-half-point favorite. We didn't know what was going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Now to Baker Mayfield being a point-and-a-half favorite. 49ers are at Chicago. They get an easier game. They're a seven-point road favorite with Trey Lance. Seven points. That's a game to keep an eye on. In Kansas City, Arizona, Kansas City opened up a three-point favorite. Now it's six over Kyler Murray. And then the other big game that a lot of people in the Midwest will be watching, Green Bay, Minnesota. That, uh, that line opened up initially minus one for Green Bay. Now it's to two, one and a half to two, depending on where you're shopping. And the game tomorrow night is going to be a fun one. Wow. Buffalo and the Rams opened up the Rams minus one. Now it's flipped. It's Buffalo minus two and a half over at the Westgate. And that seems fair. I mean, Buffalo, I have Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. And I have Buffalo beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's not as lame as you think. It's tough to pick. I wasn't going to pick the Niners. I was close to picking the Niners. Really were. I think the Niners uh, roster's loaded this year. I wasn't going to pick the Chargers. And I don't think Tampa Bay looks right to me. So Buffalo and the Rams look to be the two best teams out there. I'm sure Kansas City is going to want to say something about that too. 702-365-9200. We're open coming up here if you want to get through. Uh, Aaron Judge, as I was talking to Vinny of the Yankees, just hit his 55th home run. So Judge just hit a monster shot. Another home run for Judge as he's really close, six away from 61, that being the Yankee record. When we come back from ESPN 710 in L.A., Scott Kaplan, who's kind of known as a Charger hater. He had a big radio show in San Diego. Now he's on in L.A. He takes a lot of heat for ripping the Chargers that hard. Let's see what he has with me coming up. And then Ashley will join us from Sam and Ash because you need to know what's going on around this town coming off the holiday weekend. What to avoid from one of the premier injury attorneys and good friends of ours. So Ashley's hit is coming up in about 20 minutes. Jump on the phones, Raider fans. Give me a prediction against the Chargers. Let's go. Mid-season form, opening week. 702-365-9200 on the flagship of the Silver Black. I think that we have full confidence in our team and how we do things. And I think each of those things has a life of its own. That's what I said from the beginning. I know uh, that kind of exploded last year. And um, I do think it's a positive thing for our team because, you know, we want to be aggressive. We want to have a team that's fearless and um, that's not scared to meet a moment. But, I mean, every decision has a life of its own. And you're going to take it case by case. And we have a brand new team. So to say we're going to do it exactly like we did last year, um, that won't be the case. Well, that's Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers. He's gotten a lot of heat for being too aggressive on fourth down and for not leading this team to the playoffs. Look, I think the Chargers might have more pressure on any team in football to make the playoffs. Some people have the Chargers. I did my Super Bowl preview last night on Sirius XM, and I couldn't believe how many people first said the Ravens. This is a national show. People calling in from all over love the Ravens. So do I. I think the Ravens are healthy. They're well coached. Lamar Jackson. 
Doesn't look like they're going to get the contract done. He's got till Friday. I doubt it. He's representing himself. And a lot of people like the Chargers. And the Chargers haven't made the playoffs. Can the Chargers go from a team that never makes the playoffs to making the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl? Well, yeah, Cincinnati just did that. And I think Cincinnati's even worse run than the Chargers. And that says a lot as I bring in my good friend, and I mean this, great friend Scott Kaplan, ESPN, 710 in L.A., longtime resident of San Diego where the Chargers used to reside, and uh, thrilling that we could have him on the week of this game. So, Cap, let's begin because I was mentioning this early. I don't think you hate the Chargers. You just don't like the way they've been run. Tell us about this. Well, I mean, JT, this is a great story for you. So um, this past Saturday, I was down in San Diego, and um, which is, you know, I always tell people when they say, where do you live? And I say, I, I live in L.A. And they say, well, what part of L.A.? And I said, the southern part, San Diego. And people are like, wait, what? It's, it's become one giant region. But nonetheless, I was in San Diego this weekend, and the San Diego State football team opened a brand-new stadium. I don't know if you happen to see this on television mm-hmm. this weekend. In opening a brand-new stadium, they play and they built that new stadium exactly where the Chargers and Qualcomm Stadium stood for 56 years. So one of the big things that the Chargers told the community for years, the reason they could never build a new stadium in that same area is because all of the land that the stadium sat on had been corroded by these fuel tanks that were, you know, a couple hundred yards away. So it was going to take hundreds of millions of dollars to pull out all the land and and dig up the ground and then bring in all new dirt. This, This was, I know this sounds crazy, this was the Chargers telling the community, we can't build a new stadium here for all of these environmental impact reasons. Wow. And guess what? San Diego State built the stadium on the exact same spot. And when I asked people, well, what about all those environmental impacts? you know, reports as to why the Chargers couldn't build a stadium here. Everybody laughed. They're like, wait, you you bought that? I'm like, it wasn't about buying it. It was about that's what they were telling everybody, that the scientists said this. And I mean, JT, the Chargers were trying to get out of San Diego for 20 years, and they finally found their way out. And, yeah, I'm, I'm known as the Charger hater guy for so many reasons. But, look, as much as the Raiders left, you know, Oakland and went to Vegas – you know, the Raider fans understood nobody in Oakland was doing anything to help. San Diego was essentially trying to bend over backwards to try and help the Chargers. But they had they had already made their plan to get out of town. So, yeah, I, I listen, I love the quarterback. I like the uniforms. Um, mm-hmm. They're an exciting team. But I, I cannot get over what they did to a community. So I'm, I'm known as the Charger hater guy, and I can live with that. Scott Kaplan, ESPN LA, ESPN 710. So I think three of the best rosters in all of football are in California. Chargers, even though I don't root for them, I think that roster's much improved. The Niners roster's great, and they got Jimmy Garoppolo to say that stay. That could be a blessing in disguise. And you've gotten more and more closer with this Rams team. You see it. it it's part of the DNA up there now as the reigning Super Bowl champs. How quiet were the Rams in the offseason? They don't play their starters seems like they're ready to go again can we expect the super bowl hangover or do you think the rams come right back loaded looking to repaid yeah i don't think there's any super bowl hangover i really don't and the reason i don't think so is because this coach and this coaching staff 
made up of a lot of really young, energetic people. In other words, when, when Sean McVay first got the job, the first thing that he did is, you know what I need? I need a, a mentor. So he went out and hired Wade Phillips, who, by the way, was an, a legendary defensive coordinator in the NFL, and he had his shot a couple of different times as a head coach. But what McVay was doing at the time, he was very smart. You know, it's like, let me find an older guy who's had the experience as a head coach, who's not trying to stab me in the back and become the head coach, and let me learn from a guy like that. Well, you know, when, when Wade Phillips was eventually, you know, kind of moved out, you know, the next guy is a Raheem Morris. And even before that, it was the Chargers coach, is Brandon Staley. He finds young, energetic, talented coaches, and these coaches are hungry, just like the players are hungry. So when you ask the question of, you know, will there be a Super Bowl hangover, my opinion, based on being around the organization, and by the way, I'm not, like, super close to it, um, you know, we didn't go to training camp this year to do radio broadcasts because they moved the time of practice. It just didn't work. Usually I'm there, I'm in camp, I'm around it, I'm closer to it. But we've had a couple of events with the Rams, particularly with their coaching staff and their front office. And, you know, you get to know some of these assistant coaches. They're not satisfied with one Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing about Sean McVay, I know ESPN did a really long report about his life um, not that long ago. You find out that even though he's developing as a young guy and he got married in the offseason and whatever, he is still an incredibly hungry motivated, driven guy. So my opinion is I don't think there will be a Super Bowl hangover. I think these guys are reloaded and they try and win it again, obviously. Scott Kaplan's our guest. So, Cap, uh, wrapping this up here in a little bit, I'd like to get your idea for what you think happens here. I'm going Buffalo. I'm going Buffalo in the AFC. I just think all the years you go back with Buffalo, back in the day, Van Pelt, the people that you know, you've called many games on the sideline for Westwood One in Orchard Park. You know that DNA and that culture, but how they lost to Kansas City. 13 seconds to go, heart ripped out so they could see it. That could train wreck an organization. I'm going the opposite, that that's going to fuel their push this year to get home field throughout Orchard Park so they don't have to worry about going into a hostile part of Kansas City to try to win the AFC. How do you have the Bills this year? Well, listen, obviously everybody is hyped on the Bills. Um, they've got a great young quarterback. Um, they've got a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is good. Uh, they play really strong run defense. Uh, they added to the defense, you know, by, by going out and getting a Vaughn Miller, who, by the way, you know, he's, he's still good and he's still serviceable, but, but I'm not sure you get him because you think he's going to have 12 or 13 sacks necessarily. You, know, you get a guy like that because he can play, but he's also a two-time Super Bowl champion, a, a Super Bowl MVP. You want that around your locker room to kind of teach, if you will, this young team that has not yet had a chance to break through. Uh, Buffalo's the popular pick. JT, you know I like to play the horses. If I see a horse that's 9-5 to five on the board and is a clear, obvious favorite, I'm doing everything I can to find another story in that race to uh to bet on to, so i can get five to one or seven to one i don't want to mm -hmm. bet on nine to five so as much as everybody loves buffalo i'm going to be a contrarian and and look elsewhere other than the buffalo bills in the afc cap it was 109 when i started the show we bake like potatoes here usually don't in southern california you have something called beaches we don't we have pool parties with 700 bottles of vodka where you could swim up and play blackjack we don't have a beach to go from 
108 down to 79 in Del Mar or in Coronado. <laughs> what is this heat wave like, and will it come into play Thursday night as we kick off the NFL season? Um, I don't think it comes into play at all because, obviously, you know SoFi is a – there is a roof, but it is an open-air stadium, mm-hmm. uh, so it will be hot. But by the time this game kicks off, 5.20 p.m., um, I think that roof will, will have you know, helped a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be like as if it were a true outdoor game where you know, it is 109, 110 on the field. It has been so crazy here in Southern California. The heat, JT, I've been living in, in Southern California for 20-plus years. I promise you this. I don't want to live in Vegas because of the heat. I don't want to live in Phoenix because of the heat. If I wanted to live in those places, I'd go live there. It was Vegasy, Phoenixy, insanely hot over the last week. And listen, they're they're shutting off our electricity, JT. Seriously, like there's no like like 375 homes in my neighborhood were just shut down because yeah people were using too much power. It has been crazy years, but I don't think it'll affect the game. I think everybody who's got Buffalo to win this game, I'm taking the Rams. I know it sounds like a homer pick. But mm-hmm. to travel across country in the middle of the week to play in the Super Bowl stadium where the hometown team won the Super Bowl in that building, to see their banner get dropped, et cetera, I think all the emotion is on the Rams' side. So I'm, I'm taking the Rams to win the game outright. You're the best. Uh, stay out of the heat. Enjoy it. Hopefully your grid doesn't get shut down. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you every three to four weeks. We always appreciate your time, Cap. Thank you. Dude. Anytime. I'm here all day long. You call me, I, I just I answer the phone. You know, that's simple. Thanks, Cap. Scott Kaplan. So we were able to cover the Chargers and the Raiders and this Thursday night game, which is a monster. Coming up here with, I'm picking Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, so I'm going to pick Buffalo to beat the Rams. I mean, you can't lose a bunch of games and then be a Super Bowl pick, like, consciously. you got to think you can win them all. So whoever you think is going to win the Super Bowl, you might think it's the Raiders. Well, you got to pick the Raiders to win most of these games. I picked the Raiders to win 10 games. I hope they win 11. I know the schedule's hard. Last year, I picked them to win 9. They won 10. And they had to win their final four to get to 10. I remember that. I was interviewing Rich Passaccia after John Gruden. I remember every interview. And it didn't look good during a midseason collapse that was happening that the Raiders would turn it around, and they did that again. Uh, this year, I'm pretty happy with the Raiders. I like everything. And the offensive line, I'm not down on the offensive line. I just know that the offensive line's got to prove themselves. We all know that the Raiders and Dave Ziegler are going to get better offensive linemen in the next year or two. He wasn't able to do it. They paid for Devontae to come here. That gave up two, two number ones. They paid Max. They paid Carr. They paid Renfro. They might pay Waller. You know, they, they haven't gone out and got primetime all-pro offensive linemen yet. You can't get every position filled in one offseason. So they ran everybody through the grinder of the preseason at offensive line. Dylan Parnham, right? They wanted to see him play multiple positions. Check, he was able to do it. Thayer Mumford, when he was completely healthy, played pretty good right tackle. Illuminor had multiple chances to prove in practice against Max and Chandler that he could hold down that position. It seems like he's able to do it. Andre James, I'm good with. I, I think he, you know, he filled in for Rodney Hudson. Rodney's not here anymore. I think he's done a decent job. Is he a pro bowler? No. And Colton Miller's got to start this year as a pro bowler. It's tough to be a pro bowl at left tackle. Those are the best players in all of football. Colton Miller could be in the conversation this year. And he's going to have to anchor that side, that left side. If they run it, 
and they're going to throw it, and Devontae's lining up to the left, and there's got to be a clear window for Derek to make that pass, especially that crossing pass, and Colton Miller's going to play a huge role there. And I really think that these running backs who were told to block, 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 are going to be really good at picking up the blitz. Josh Jacobs is very good at that. I just don't know how many times Josh is going to get the ball compared to Zeus and some of the other running backs that we have here. The running backs will have fresh legs. They will come in on certain down and distance, and you know everybody in the upper deck is going to know it's a run. And the Raiders got to get a push on that offensive line, and someone who's going to be the running back is going to be coming in off the bench with fresh legs to pound the ball and only get three to four yards. Not 30, not a 40-yard run. Just move the chains. Move the chains so they don't have to put the ball in the air every third down with the opportunity for a deflection, an incomplete, a tip ball, and you know pick six and all that. They like to run it with the Patriots. And this is Patriots now West in regards to that playbook that came directly from New England and Tom Brady. It's a pretty good playbook, isn't it, everybody? I don't know of a Raider fan who doesn't understand that. And John Gruden had a pretty good playbook. It was very deep and intense. But everybody watched football for the last 20 years. You're going to see similar plays to what Brady ran with the Patriots. Now you got to catch it. you got to run with the ball, and you, you can't turn it over. But Josh McDaniels has the playbook for well over 15 years on every down, every distance, every place where you got to move the ball. Josh McDaniels has called that play hundreds of times. Now the Raiders have to execute those plays. When I'm coming back and I give you the phone number, it means you could call. I could get you right up. Sometimes we have an interview. I got to park you for a few minutes, but I get to everybody. Dial now. I'll get you up. 702-365-9200. As we continue on, and we are brought to you by Virgin Hotels right here in Las Vegas. It used to be the Hard Rock. Now they have their own they have their own mojo in there now. The restaurants are incredible. I go out on the lawn for concerts. The pool party's great. Casa Calavera is a great restaurant along with One Steak where my wife and I had our 23 anniversary dinner on Saturday night at one steak at the bar. We ate at the bar to see the great John O'Donnell and the crew there, and we always have a good time inside Virgin Hotels. I slide over to the Shag Room, and there's live entertainment all the time, and it's pretty good entertainment in that lounge. Some of the best performers in Vegas moonlight and play there, so go on, head out to the Shag Room. Coming up next, we'll talk to Ashley from Sam and Ash. Ash will come in. We'll get her prediction on the playoffs and the Raiders this year, and a couple of things that should be alarming in Vegas coming up Labor Day, especially if you need an attorney and you're looking at some of the issues that are popping up around town. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. Step McKenzie tomorrow, a couple of other insiders who are scheduled to join us. I have a Charger insider that I just booked today, Eric Smith, who's the senior writer for the Chargers at Chargers.com. We're going to go on a deep dive with what they have, especially with uh, J.C. Jackson with his boot off, and will he be able to go? We'll find out either later today or tomorrow on that. Gabby Williams will inbound in front of the Seattle bench. 5.3 seconds to go. The Aces lead, 97-92. Quick inbound to Bird. She takes three dribbles. She's dribbling out the clock, and they're not even going to get a shot off. This game is over. The Las Vegas Aces win. The Las Vegas Aces win, 97-92. They win the series. 
three games to one this WNBA semifinal, and they win two decisive games here on the Seattle Storms home court, and the Aces advance to the WNBA finals with game one hosting at the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay Sunday afternoon at 12 o'clock. Our friend T.C. Martin, congratulations to T.C., Mark Davis, the owner, Larry Delson, everybody behind the Aces. Really good finishing basketball by them to get it done. Ashley will join us in a second from Sam and Ash, Raider Dave in Denver. Always good to hear from you, Dave. What do you got? Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate you talking about the Bills. I think they are going to be the ones to beat only because not only that they're great, but they have such an easy schedule. I mean, there's a couple places where they can trip up against the Chiefs and here against the Rams. And if they get in a shootout against the Rams, we're going to see something from the Rams that we can put on tape and go after them with if when, when the Raiders are going to have to have a shootout with them. But I really hope that the Bills fall on, uh, on Thursday night, and I think they will to the Rams. You know, as far as Charger game, my prediction is 24-20 because I think these teams are going to be running a lot from both teams in an attempt to not only shorten the game, uh, but to keep it close and keep the zero turnovers. There will be chunk yardage from you know, the past. You know that's going to happen. But I think 24-20 and the Raiders end up eclipsing this uh, and getting a win their first week. Thanks a lot, my friend. It'll take a lot for them to win. This is a hell of an opponent as we bring in Ashley from Salmon Ash, Salmon Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Ash, does it feel like it's the start of Raiders season or a long national nightmare of, of no football is coming to an end? How do you feel about it? Oh, I love it, JT. I loved college game day. I'm ready for Sunday football, Monday night football. I'm seeing more silver and black out on the town, so I can feel it. Yeah, this is a big game, and for your years also in Southern California, now you're out here in Vegas. This is an interesting rivalry. You know, Chargers have had some good years over the years, dating back to Dan Fouts and Rivers and Junior Seau, but the Raiders now in Vegas, Chargers in L.A., This is important for Raider fans, man, because L.A. is still Raider country. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when they were getting ready to leave Oakland, I was talking to a lot of Raider fans in and around Southern California, and they were much more excited about the Vegas Raiders because they said, I'm more likely to go travel and visit and watch those games than I would to go to Oakland. So absolutely, I think it's a big critical game, and uh, we need it. It's a great way to start the season. What did you think of the Aces when we just played the soundbite? They played two really good fourth quarters and final minutes to get in big buckets and win two and now get a little time off here to host the WNBA Finals in Vegas, another big sporting event professionally in this town. Hey, we're the sports capital of the world as far as I'm concerned. Um, I am so happy and proud of our aces. Look, it was tough and it was hard fought, but it's really critical how you finish games. It's not necessarily how you start something, but how you finish. And we we pulled it out in those fourth quarters, like you mentioned. And also just a a giant hat tip to Sue Bird, who put in however, like a decade into the sport and has inspired generations after generations of young athletes. Nicely said. Ashley Jones is from Sam and Ash. You nailed that. She's a hell of a player. You know, I'm happy and proud to know you because I'm looking at so many of these injury commercials, attorneys and guys with motorcycles and testosterone and guys (laughs) promising you they won't take this and that. You're my friend. I try to refer everybody to you when they're in a pinch or they get in an accident and they just need general advice 
because you're not something someone that people google people call you you get on the phone and talk to it even if you're not going to retain their business you try to get people initially to understand the importance and the magnitude of the situation they're in i think that's really important talk about just calling you to get in touch if you have a serious situation that someone out here might not know anyone and we say call ashley from sam and ash yeah, absolutely, JT. I mean, it's one of the reasons why Sam and I didn't even put our last names in the law firm. We wanted to be approachable. We want people to feel comfortable bringing their questions to us and and Googling and trying to figure it out online. There's so many. It's not it's not foolproof. There's so many nuances to your case. And it is so easy for you just to pick up the phone or go to our website and chat with someone. You can get answers within 10 minutes and they're expert answers. They're not just generic, lazy, thoughtless, careless answers. They're going to take the facts that you have to specific to your case and we're going to give you advice and it's free. doesn't cost you a thing and there's no obligation at the end of it. And what I just want to do is help people. And I even try and Google and figure something out for myself and it's never perfect so just with us we try and make it as easy as possible so don't make it harder than it needs to be sam and ash the ones i trust sam and ash i've been friends with them a long time that's why they're on this show we talk to ashley and sam often because i trust them and i can guarantee you if you get into an accident get safe get to the side of the road and ash how about taking pictures i see accidents all day long i see police on the scene i see unbelievable uh, patrons coming out there to try to help i don't see enough people taking pictures of the accident how important is that it is invaluable, JT. It's one of the critical things. We take our phones everywhere. I mean, so many people, they don't even go to a bathroom without their cell phone. But if, And if you go into it, you get into an accident, a car crash, you slip and fall, anything, you got to take photos of everything. Take photos of your car, the car that hit you, the scene, the intersection, everything. It's all critical. It helps us lawyers, our experts, all piece together what happened if there's a disagreement or dispute after the fact. Also, your injuries. Your injuries and bruising is progressing and changing. Take photos of all of that stuff. It's so critical because it it tells the picture of what you went through, and it makes it so important at the end of a case. Ashley Jones is from Sam and Ash. And finally, What's Vegas's reputation with drivers who are uninsured? I hear this. Is it like a wives' tale? Is it true? How bad are we in Southern Nevada here when it comes to uninsured motorists? You know, we're one of the worst. Oh. And frankly, it's getting worse, JT, because the economy is in its its terrible spot that it is mm-hmm. so people are cutting costs where they can and unfortunately auto insurance is one of those areas i had a lady call today and she got a police report back from an accident called the phone numbers associated with the insurance no policy in in um in effect at the time can't figure it out so we're we're taking on the case and we're going to try and track down insurance for her but what i tell everyone is the best thing you can do is make sure your own insurance policy has what's called uninsured motorist coverage Mm -hmm. that means if you get hurt by someone else your own insurance company will have coverage for you last one i'm very concerned about this for everyone especially the ladies and the youngsters who are listening to this road rage topic in town What's going on with road rage? There are people screaming at each other, going 70 miles an hour, windows down, or following each other into their developments and all of this. What's with the surge in road rage? Is that a summer thing? 
I think it's a summer thing. It's also still people coming out of COVID, unemployed, frustrated with life, Mm -hmm. gas prices, everything. I tell you, look, take your time. No red light, green light, merging, lane change is worth it. There was a tragedy in last year or two years ago where a woman flipped off someone and that person fired shots into her vehicle and she lost her baby boy. So mm-hmm. if you're on the road and someone's being aggressive with you, call 911, report their license plate and get yourself to a safe spot. It's never worth it. Absolutely. Great advice, Ash. Give us the phone number, how everyone can get in touch with you, the website. I know you'll get back to everyone. Yeah, the website, samandashlaw.com. You can go there, fill out a form, or chat with someone directly immediately. Or you can call us 24-7-702-820-1234. Our a home tradition. Ashley and I are good friends. We have a tradition. The Raider home <laughs> opener. If they win the home opener, which the Raiders are 2-0, and we go out for cocktails because I'm the last guy to leave. I'm the last one out. I shut the lights out on the postgame show. So a week from this Sunday when the Raiders beat the Cardinals, our secret spot for some drinks. You were there. All right. That's all I'm I saying. I see you there. We're, we're 2-0. Let's keep it going. Thanks, Ash. All, go- all good. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you, JT. There she is, Ashley Watkins. And, yeah, so the Raiders' first two home openers, the first one was against Drew Brees and no one was there. No one was there. So the game ends, and Sam and Ash text me, and we go up at the time to a bar on the Strip, and we hit it big. We hit it pretty big at the bar. We're having a big night. It was a huge night. I was the last one out of there. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. Now, it wasn't a car in the parking lot, and we hung out for two or three hours. Jason Witten was there. We're going back to the Jason Witten years. Jason Witten was out. I'm sure that is news I can repeat now. I couldn't back in the day because of protocol. But there were some people out having fun. And then last year, the Raiders end up beating Baltimore in overtime. And boom, we did it again. We went out to keep that tradition alive. Now the home opener will be against the Arizona Cardinals. And they don't have Hopkins, the wide receiver at this point. Trayvon Mullen was just traded over to Arizona. And I think the Raiders should be able to win that game. That's a game. The Charger game, the Raiders are an underdog for obvious reasons. Chargers are pretty good. Uh, Raiders can compete with them, knock them out last year. But a lot of people think the Chargers are the favorite for the reason. Raiders got to win that game. No matter what happens in that game, the home opener against Arizona. Arizona doesn't have a big fan base. Believe me, there's not 30,000 Cardinal fans buying tickets to Vegas. That's going to be loud and proud as the Raiders open up there. And there's going to be a lot of celebration this year at Allegiant Stadium for the Hall of Famers who just got in, the halftime entertainment, the pregame show at the Torch. And uh, we'll be there for the Arizona game to open up a pregame from the Torch. This Sunday, I'll be at the M Resort. So come see us right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. We'll set up shop with Eric Allen. Thanks to Bobby. Thanks to all of our guests today. Vinny Bonsignor, Bill Williamson, Scott Kaplan, and Ashley, Ashley Watkins. Fun show. we got a bigger one even lined up tomorrow. We're in mid-season form opening week on the flagship. Q is on deck. Have a great day, everybody. Good to go? All right. Travel safely home.